Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. I want to talk about faith. So let's go to our verse, Mark eleven twenty two through 24. It says, And Jesus answered them, saying, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen. It's the essence of faith. It will be granted him. Now, how many of you have really been challenged in, in this verse in the last couple of weeks? Just thinking about these mountains. And the more you're digging into that verse, the more you're just saying, wow, Lord, you've really set the bar pretty high. When you think of the things that are happening in our lives and the things that we really want to, it's like that, that big stone wall that Jared was trying to push on. I mean, that's, in our mind, is an impossibility. He goes on, therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask. Believe that you have received them and they will be granted you. So we, there's no way around the fact that Jesus was covering everything here, that he, he wanted us to reach farther and deeper. He wanted us to go well beyond what we could even ask or imagine when it came to answers to prayer. So how do we get to this place because none of us here can honestly say that we've come to that place where we can speak to any and every mountain that we've encountered and have that kind of doubtless faith. Just, not, just have not been there. But we're moving in that direction. We're learning. So how can we keep pushing forward? Well, let's look at the word. Three things I want to share with you today. Speak in faith, act in faith, and then finally expect in faith. Okay? I'm trying to keep this simple. But in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, as we talk about speaking in faith, it says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. A very simple proverb, very, very powerful. And of course, gosh, we could start a whole new series, and I've done a series on the tongue in the past, but when we think about faith here, guess what? He talks, gives us that word. He says, you know, speaking is so critical. He says, to do what? To say to the mountain. So he says, the tongue has the power of life and death. So we know how powerful the tongue can be when speaking negative things. It takes 10 words of encouragement to uh, change the outcome or affect someone. What, what the, the effect of a negative word it takes 10 positive words to, to change what you've done with one negative word. I mean, that's, that's amazing how powerful the tongue can be negatively. Of course, we're not talking about that. But we, if we know that it has the power of life, then, you know, it's like having a weapon and shooting it in the right direction, loading it with the right ammunition. And if we've been given such a powerful, powerful tool in our mouth, then as we combine it with the word of God, if we speak it, that's what Jesus is saying. Take my word and speak it. So we start with that. It's a power of life and death. And it says, and those who love it, in other words, those who recognize it, not just recognize it, but regularly use it. Regularly, you know, like the things that we love, we do quite often. 
And when we recognize the power of the tongue and we come to that point that we love what it does, then we're going to enact it more often. We're going to speak the word of God. We're going to speak in faith. We're going to speak to those mountains. So we start with that. How can we do that practically? We can recount the many answers to prayer that we already have, okay? Now, of course, we've already taught, I've already laid the foundation about how we need to be getting into the Bible. Now, during this fast, I hope you're doing that. Reading, reading, reading. Fasting during lunch, taking the time to read the Bible, okay? Get your Bible out, read it, read it, read it. We ha- we've been having a lot of fun sitting around the table talking about the scriptures that we're reading, especially, you know, if you're reading through the Bible, of course, we're all in Genesis right now, you know, moving into Exodus soon. And, and so uh, that brings up a lot of questions, a lot of cool discussions. But anyway, beyond the Word of God is the recounting of the things that God has done. Now, I want to encourage you, if you're not and have never written down the things that God has done for you, you need to start. Because it is at those points when you get to that mountain, you, and, and you, be, you know how we, you get that, that brain freeze? It's just like, and it might even come out of our mouth, God, why don't you care? God, you never do anything for me. You're always doing something for them. And we get to that place, and, and, and it's part of our soul. And so sometimes we, re, we just have to stop and remember the good things that God has done for us so that we have the testimony. See, testimony is a very powerful thing. Testimony helps to build faith. God taught his people to do the same. He said, look, you know, every time you think of this event, it builds faith. Every generation would remember what God has done. And he talks about, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, right? Remember that verse? So recount the many answers to prayer you already have. That's important. And then recount the miracles of others. That's another thing to do, is to look around. Look around. Maybe read biographies or, or, or read about miracles or talk to somebody that's in, experienced a miracle. Let that fill your heart with faith. And then bring that to God in prayer. Tell God, you know? Say, God, you did it for them. I know you can do it for me. You, you, you moved their mountain. Why not me? Matter of fact, there are many times I pray this way. I say this. I say, God, you are healing people all over the earth right now. You are giving financial miracles to people all over the earth right now. You are doing the most amazing things all over the earth right now. Why don't you do it here right now? If you're doing it, then you surely can do it right here and right now. God likes us to talk that way, by the way. He certainly does. Recount the miracles of others. Recount the miracles of Jesus. You know, there are 37 miracles in the New Testament, 38 if you count the resurrection, his resurrection from the dead. Of course, we should. 37. And and they cover a wide range of, I mean, everything from, you know, being delivered from demons to healing all kinds of maladies. It's it's amazing, all the miracles that that are just recounted, by the way. These are not capturing miracles. Uh, these are only the miracles that the, the, the gospel writer, writers wanted us to take note of. But John said that there were many, many, literally hundreds, if not thousands of miracles that took place through the life of Christ in those three years of ministry. But what we should do is take those miracles, read about them, specifically do a miracle search. You know, when it comes to Bible reading, you know, reading through the Bible is good, but one of the things I talk about is a wisdom search or even just a, a purpose search where you go and just say, look, I, I need faith in a particular area. If I need healing, if 
I need finance, if I need deliverance over a particular area that I'm struggling with, then, then go to the Bible and turn, put those glasses on. Okay? You need a mountain-moving set of glasses. Put those on and start reading with intentionality to find those underlying. Matter of fact, go and find every one of those, those 37 miracles. Underline them. Make it your own personal. Read these when I'm in trouble. Read these when I need God to move on my behalf. Excellent. And don't just get yourself a topical Bible or just you know, throw to the back. No, 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 no. It's important that you do the swinging of the bat, that you are the one who's working through these because the more repetition is a powerful thing, very powerful thing. God made us to be that way, by the way. So recounting the miracles of Christ. Rehearse the promises of God. Look at Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, our sins. He was crushed for our iniquities, those things that we've done even with the right heart, but still they're in sin. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray and each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Amen? Very, very powerful promise. And the Bible's full of promises. But if we need healing in our body or if we need forgiveness of sin to go deeper into our psyche for us not only to know it but to believe it and walk in it, then the promises of God need to be brought into our thinking, to be recounted, to be thought of. That's why Scripture meditation is a powerful thing, too. Meditating on the Word of God, taking, chewing on it, thinking about it, thinking about all of its applications, and being able to do it. You know, I, I like tying knots. My kids, they're well past making fun of me now when it comes to tying knots, but I like to do it. Because I had determined a couple of years ago, you know, you're always getting in a situation where you always need a knot. And I was like, I don't know any knots except the few basic ones you know. And I love to sail and whatnot. So I was like, look, I'm going to learn as many knots as I can to the point where I could close my eyes and do them. And I'm at that place now. I know about 30 or 40 knots so I could just do, not even thinking about it. That is the kind of thing when it comes to truth that we need to get to that place where we are literally applying truth without even really thinking about it. It's the first thing that rises up inside us. When you get into trouble, is it, is it I turn to Visa? Is it, do I turn to the government? Do I turn to someone or anything else other than the first thing that comes to my mind is, oh, I need to go to God. I need to go to my Savior. I need to go to the one who died for me, knows my life. We talk about this as a family, and Andrea and I quite often, is thinking in terms of, of how, as a Christian, we should get to that place where we understand that every purpose, every, every aspect of our life, every fiber of our being is, is flowing through this life I have in him. And the years that I live here, everything has, is just glowing, dripping with purpose. And so anything and everything that happens, we shouldn't panic. We should just say, okay, God, what are you up to? How do you want to glorify your name through this thing that's going on in my life? So, so key. So speaking in faith, getting the word of God in us, recounting, rehearsing the miracles and the wonders of God. 
speaking them over and over again, you'll get to the point where it just becomes second nature to expect, to assume. See, that's when we go from just knowing the truth to expecting the truth. To expecting a miracle to happen is, it's just like, you know what, God's got this, and that's not fatalism. Okay, that's just, you know, I'm trusting God in this. He's going to work it out. And Jesus taught us that too. He said, look, don't panic. Don't get yourself all worked up. I and mean, we, we do more damage to ourselves and all the worry and all the, the panic and all the other stuff that we go through physiologically when the first thing we need to do is to say, you know what, Lord, you've got this. I'm trusting you. How many of us almost lose our salvation trying to find our keys? <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, and you're just over there. You hate me. Come on, man. And you know, the, heaven, the, the angels are up there just going, God, do you think you ought to come now? I mean, I think we need to go now and wrap this thing up because <laughs> they just don't have it, dear Lord. Anyway. Secondly, secondly, act in faith. Act in faith. So we want to speak in faith, and then we need to act on it, okay? Because Matthew chapter 8, and then James here in a moment, Matthew 8, 5 through 13, and I'm just going to, you can read that whole section, but I'm just going to cherry pick it here. You know the story of the centurion. He walks up, and he just says, look, my servant is sick. He's dying. And Jesus says, well, do you want me to go to your house? He says, no, 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 you don't have to go to my house. You're a man with authority, and you say, and, and I understand that, because I say to this person, go and come and do this and do that, and everybody obeys me because authority. You are obviously the man of authority, so you just speak the word and it'll be done. And Jesus is just going, this is amazing. I've never seen this kind of faith anywhere, which is amazing. Do you think that this was an extremely spiritual man? I don't think so. I look at that, I don't think he, you know, I don't think they, they had carved images of the guy. I don't think he was well known as being an exceptionally spiritual guy. To me, I just see him as a blue-collar centurion. You know, he's a sergeant. He's just a, you know, what, what, is, what Jesus noticed about him and that we should really take notice of in this scripture is that how powerful simple faith is. That how it trumps almost everything. No eloquent prayers. No life of incredible testimony in, in Acts, even though we are talking about Acts. But what, what, what I think is so remarkable about this is how he just, the assumption and the understanding of authority. That's a biblical truth. That this man had completely understood and was acting in it. And he just said, look, just, just say the word. Very powerful. He said, just say the word. And his servant was healed at that very moment. So Jesus didn't even go. There's an assumption here that just really dovetails into what James says. So we, what we need to do is step out and act on what we believe. James says faith without works is what? It's dead. That's right. Faith without works is dead. A lot of us believe that God can do this. But you know, Jesus said something that really kind of shook things up. He said, look, Satan believes. I mean, it's not just a matter, about a matter of what the Bible says. Satan knows the Bible too, by the way. But it's whether we take the word of God and we act on that word that really closes the deal 
to really show ourselves, to show those spirits in the spirit realm and God himself that we really, really do believe it. So James, as he's writing there in, in chapter 2, 20 through 24, he recounts the story of Abraham and his son Isaac. You remember that story? Probably read it recently this month. And his son Isaac, as he brings him to sacrifice. And so God speaks to Abraham and he says, now look, I've given you, you know, given you this son at 100 years old, and now he's 100 plus now. We don't know exactly how old Isaac was, but he was probably 11, 12, somewhere in there. And he asks his dad, dad, where are we going to get the sacrifice? What does he say? God will provide. So he gets up there, puts all the wood around Isaac. You know, he's getting ready and he takes the knife to kill him. And what does God, God stops and says, stop, stop. Now I know, if I'm going to paraphrase this, he says, now I know, Abraham, that you really believed what I told you. That you would not spare your own, you know, only son. Of course, this is a Christophany. This is, this is a, a messianic moment, a very powerful portion of scripture. Uh, a foreshadowing of what was going to happen with, happen with the father and his own son. But he shows us there, because James catches it. James says, look, here is an example of what God, what took notice of the father. And he said, and we need to take notice of that. God just says, this is good. And Because he goes on to say, and it was credited to him as righteousness. In other words, that counted. That was the kind of faith that the father is looking for. God speaks something and we act on it. We act, we live our life in such a way as we assume it is absolutely, unequivocally true. True. Now that is a big challenge. And how that is played out in life is, of course, where we all live and how that, that works out. But what it means is, is that we don't bail on God. Abraham could have just got to the very... And, and just brought a lamb in reserve because he had some servants with him. He could have just said, you know, I know God's going to work this thing out, you know, in the end. And so I'm just going to bring this lamb along. That's iniquity, by the way. When we assume and make our own plans, when God says, no, I need you to walk this thing out. Now, you know, we can talk about miracles and things about, but can I just take some practical things? How about, with your future. If you're a young person here and you're selecting, you know, there's all this stuff going on about marriage right now and, and, and I'm so burdened because I think young people need to stop taking their future when it comes to their mate as something flippant, as something that, that God doesn't care about or that it's just so old-fashioned. It, it's a very, very critical thing. Matter of fact, it's destroying. The, the absence of it and the honoring of, of the marriage bed is absolutely destroying us as a culture. And until we begin to recognize that that's very, very big in God's eyes and that we live that way, will we not be able to experience some of the, the, the great blessings that God has in store for the family? But here's an example of where faith is so critical to trust God for your future. I mean, it it's amazes me that so many Christians can be waving their hands and praising God, but going out and just sleeping with whoever and all thinking that God doesn't care about that. Or, and, and yet praying, Lord, please bring me the right one, but I'm going to go through 10 until I find them. Do you not trust that maybe God could bring them to you? 
or that you wait until God makes that very, very clear. Now, look, I, I know I'm busting somebody's stuff here, but I'm talking truth because we can all just say, amen, I believe. But are you living it? Okay, and here is a very, very practical area. And, and when it comes to your finances, you know, I believe in tithing, brother. Um, okay, well, let's look at the tithing record. Well, you haven't tithed, but I believe in tithing. Well, look, you ain't going to get none of the blessing on you until you do it. Okay, and you're not going to experience the favor of God that you've been really praying for until you get to that place where you're really testing God, acting on his word to actually literally trust, trusting him. And there's so many different areas in our life. Those, those are two big ones that I'm burdened about, but there are many, many other ones. I mean, what is going on in our world in sexu- with sexuality is just, you know, blitzing my mind. It's just, it's out of control. It's spitting out of control. It is obviously one of the big things that happens to a culture before it disappears. So that's something to, be, to take note of. And Christians... You know, we can't allow ourselves to get caught up in that. We have to trust him. We have to trust him. Let's show God our faith by what we act on and how we live our lives according to that faith. We want more miracles than we have to act in faith. Jesus told that centurion to go home and we know that His prayer was answered. But what if he had stayed? What if he had stayed and continued to just say, well, look, you know, I I, I can't, I can't believe that, I mean, I can't know for certain that you're going to heal him. I know what you said and all, but I mean, can you lift him up and, and just drop him here in front of us? And, and that's what happens to a lot of us is we get to that point and God just says, look, and I, and I do that in my prayer life often. I hope you do the same thing. Well, I'll come to God and I'll bring him something. I'll say, God, I'm really concerned about this. And I listen. And God will say, David, it's going to be fine. I got this. And then I just rest. And I'm just like, you know, okay. Whether it be something that's going on in my body or a concern over my little children, you know, things that as a parent that can really get you out of rest in a hurry. And then you just say, and when God just say, Lord, what are you doing here? If he says, well, then I, you know, I think you need to do this or you need to do that, then I'll obey. But a lot of times what I hear God is saying, God, David, it's going to be fine. Just trust me. And, just, and do it. Literally, just trust him. Just say, okay, God, I'm putting this out of my mind and heart because this is yours. And apparently this is what the centurion did is he just went home and he's just like, okay, good. But if it stuck around, can you give me a little more? Can you... Can you tell me, can you give me some kind of a foreshadowing? I mean, can you, is there anything else you can do that would have been testing the kind of faith and, in essence, would no longer have been faith? So we got to pray, we got to declare, we got to believe, and we got to move on with expectation. See, obedience is the key to acting in faith. It really is. We're not just talking about miracles here, but everyday blessings and favor. If we trust God that his ways are better, higher, and more fruitful, then we can expect great blessing to come from obeying the do's and the don'ts. What am I saying here? 
What am I saying here? I'm saying that a lot of times, folks, if we're walking in God in faith and trusting him, then we're going to see a lot less mountains in the first place. But for some of us, man, it's just mountain after mountain after mountain after mountain. After a while, we would just want to say, look, you need to take a different route, baby. You're going straight up through the Rockies. And there's a path through. It's called obeying God and trusting him with your life. Now, look, there's mercy. And you may say, well, man, that's kind of hard, Pastor David. Yes, I understand. I do understand that. But what I'm trying to show you is that a lot of times we're getting, we want to get to this place where we live And this is where I'm going to really bust it up right now. We live and do whatever we want, and yet we expect God to be the great ghost in the sky that bails us out time and time again. That's not Bible. That's not Bible. What God wants to teach us is that, yeah, at the beginning when we come to him, we've got a lot of mess, and he's just like, man, you're a mess. Yeah, I am a mess. He says, well, let's clean you up. But now look, as we grow here, I want to teach you. I want to show you. How not to get yourself in that place again? Can we all agree that that is true? I mean, can we, can we agree that that is true? Okay. Let's finish with our fat last point then. Expect in faith. We want to speak in faith. We want to act in faith. And we want to expect in faith. We already made that transition. But look at Hebrews 11, 1 and 2. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Very, very powerful key scripture on on faith and and actually the definition of it. It's that assurance in our heart, that expectation. See, using the inner eye, according to Hebrews 11, we need to see what we are hoping for. And that is really vision. And I've learned that really the hard way. Is that you can't go towards something you don't see. You know, matter of fact, I saw one of those memes, you know, on, on Instagram, and those things are just so, at times, just full of the most ridiculous stuff. You know, and I'm just thinking people are, and, and I see all the comments below them, amen, oh, that's right, oh, man, preach it, brother, and I'm just going, is, <laughs> but I don't want to get preachy and do my, you know, my own things, but it, it's just like, man, read your Bible. You know, and it's kind of like that, hey, just live your life and everything will work out. Um, no, that's not the way it works. You've got to have a vision in your heart. And you've got to have a vision and, 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 and trust in God that you can, you, if you want a good marriage, you've got to see that good marriage. All right? If you want a healthy body, you really need to see that healthy body. If you want to see your life, you know, without financial burden, then you need to see it. And you need to kind of see what it's going to take to get there, by the way. Okay, and so we got to see it, and we got to expect it. We got to expect it, and how we expect it is again as having the assurance of what we do not see, which is interesting. We do not see it physically, but we do see it spiritually. That is it, because that's how we get to the assurance of it. To say, "Man, I see it. I see it right there," and that is amazing to me. You know, my dad. <clears throat> When I went, to, I've shared the testimony before, but, you know, he, he is one of those, oops, he did it again. You know, he got healed. He, he felt like God told him he was going to live another 10 years. I went to say goodbye to him. 
And I said, Dad, are you ready to go? And he looked at me, go. He said, David, God spoke to me. I'm going to be here another 12 years. I'm like, well, far be it from me, Dad, to tell you otherwise. You know, so we changed the conversation, started talking about Alabama football. (laughs) Moved right on from that. Well, meanwhile, healthy as a horse. They take him off the dialysis machine, which he had been on for six months. Doctor said, miracle. So he's living his life. He's got him a new girlfriend, by the way. And uh, then he gets mouth cancer. Oral cancer in his mouth. And I'm just going, I'm kind of freaking. I'm just like, Lord. So I call him and he goes, David, David, David. God's got this. Everything's going to be just fine. But but I, I know what the oncologist told him. He said, you know, we can't really do anything for you. It's going to eat your mouth up. And if we do surgery, we're going to have to take half his face. I mean, it was not looking good. And I couldn't imagine seeing my dad suffer that way. So I'm praying. We were praying as a family. But he's going, no, David, it's going to be fine. God's, God's got this. He goes in for a very shortened period of time of, of radiation. They make this face guard for him. Specifically, the oncologist is just kind of like, He's got other health issues. He's advanced in, in age. Matter of fact, he turned 80 years old yesterday. And they did a shortened version on because of his age and whatnot. He went to the oncologist several weeks later, and the guy's just going, I don't know what to do with this. You have no cancer in your mouth. None. And I'm, so I call my sister, and she goes, David, I don't even know what to tell you. And I'm just laughing. And just going, scratching my head, going, you know what? What can God do with a person who just says, I believe? <laughs> That's what it came down to. That's what blew my mind away. So using that inner eye, and that's the one thing I notice about my dad is he can see it. He can see it. And he talks it. And he expects it. And so, I mean, just watching that in front of me, I think God is doing that as much for him, as much for me as he is for him. To just say, David, 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 you think you got this all figured out? Look, I'm just going to take this simple man who's, I mean, my dad, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, not a real spiritual giant. Let's just put it that way. But a man who's just simply has trusted God in his latter years. And I look at that and just say, Amen. See, you cannot bury the talent as the unfaithful servant did. See, sowing seed comes with a natural expectation of what is to appear soon. So we sow those seeds of prayer and expectation. You put it in the ground. I mean, what farmer puts a seed in the ground to just say, well, I'll never be coming back to that because it's never going to do anything? <laughs> That's foolishness. But he does it with the expectation that it's going to bear fruit in the same way. We, when we pray, we need to grow in that expectation. We need to have a lot more assumption. Now, I don't know how to pour that into any of us, even into myself, other than I think that this all works together, that as we speak it and as we walk in it and we make that assumption, we obey God in the word, the ancillary truths that surround that, that, that we're, we're, we're walking in such a way as we're just saying, God, I'm expecting this. I'm preparing it's kind of like the mother who hears that she's going to have a child. She goes and she makes the room. She's preparing for the child. 
But I mean, uh, that would not be a very good mother if the whole time she denied it all along the way. No, I'm not going to have a child. I'm not believing a word they're saying. Honey, guess what? You better get ready. <laughs> that baby's going to come in nine months. And whether you've made up the room or not, it's there. Sowing seeds of faith will produce a harvest. But you cannot have a harvest if you're not sowing seeds either. And that's really what it comes down to. Folks, we need to get back to sowing seed. Sowing seed of belief, of trust, of prayer. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. And he said, and when, even when you ask, you're asking in what? Unbelief. So he said, I mean, we got a simple formula from the very mouth of Jesus that pulls this all together for us. He just says, look, you got a need, pray, ask, believe, and expect. And then live your life as if you're going to get it. Now, again, is this going to be the magical formula that gives us a new Cadillac in our driveway? Is it going to give us a new, uh, a new husband? You wake up, oh, you know, I mean, it's, it, there are some mountains I don't think he's going he's, he's gonna, to uh, deal with. But anyway, there are things... So there are, some, there, there are some things that God says, no, I'm, I'm not going to touch that because that's what I've called you to live through right now. But let me just tell you this, because as a pastor and as a counselor, I can't help you with that, by the way. I can't tell you what is a mountain and what is not a mountain. I can't tell you, I mean, we can't sit down and you bring something to me and I can't tell you whether God is, is, is going to necessarily do that for you or is, that, or is, is going to be one of those thorns in the flesh or is going to be one of those things that's going to take time. I mean, if I can't go to my own dad and tell one way or another what God's going to do, I certainly can't help anybody else. But I can tell you this, if you keep praying, keep seeking, keep speaking the word of God and keep expecting you're going to see a whole lot more miracles than if you did not. That much I know. That much I know. And so, we got to remember to celebrate with these prayers in mind. we got to celebrate and remember that, man, when that thing comes and when that happens, see, that, that's the cool thing that I really think captures the heart of God, that we get to that point and we literally are thanking him ahead of time for what he's going to do. I think that captures the heart of God. I really, really do. So let's finish this morning. And let's stand up. We've got a... Uh, our small group blitz I needed to get us to here. So in a few moments, I'm going to release you, and on the back walls, you're going to see our small groups, and it's so incredibly important. You know, part of the reason or, or the, the ways that God uses in, in, in growing faith is by hanging around with people as well that are faith-filled people. We need one another. There's, a, there's an exponential build of faith that when you hang out with someone and you begin to, you see their miracle, and you share your miracle, and you encourage one another. There's that two that puts to flight 10,000. So in our small groups are very critical for you to grow in faith in the Moon Mountains too. So when, we're, when I release you here in a moment, I just encourage you to go to the back table. Find a group you can get involved in, please, to help you take that next step in your journey. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Lord, we come to you this morning, God. Lord, it's hard to look at the things in our lives 
and Lord, not feel like we're coming up short. But Lord, that's always what truth is really meant to do initially. And then we're ushered right into your grace. Because grace is you doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. So Lord, we come to you right now. God, we recognize, just as the disciples did, they looked at you pleadingly and just said, help our unbelief. Please help us have more faith. And you just looked at them and you said, all you need is a mustard seed. So Lord, help us in these days. God, to push past the impossible and to sow more seeds. God, to speak it. Lord, speak your truths out loud while we're driving in the car. Lord, when it comes into our mind because we've meditated on your truth, to trust you in all things. Lord, when it comes to our future and the decisions that we make, to trust you in all things. When it comes to our finances, to trust you in all things. Our relationships, God. Our physical well-being, the Lord, the next steps we need to take in our life, God, to trust you. There are some of you in this room today, you've got things that you're battling. And God knows that you're battling them. And there's a measure of helplessness. You look at that and it's a mountain in your life. And God just says, look, trust me. Because when you put the pressure on it, it's really him standing behind you with his huge, wonderful, powerful hands and him moving that on your behalf. But Lord, we just ask you right now to help us see that. And we invite you into our life in a new way to remind us that you are Jehovah Hire, the God who provides You will provide the lamb. Lord, you will provide whatever we need in order for that miracle to happen. To move those mountains. To change our life. To transform us, God, from a place, God, of uncertainty, Lord, to certainty filled with peace. Lord, help us to recount, Lord, the the miracles we've seen. Lord, to tell others of the wonderful things that happen when they happen. Lord, to secure and and embed that truth. So, Lord, now as we go, I just want to pray one one last prayer. If if you're in this room today, and if you're not certain that if you died tonight, you'd be in heaven, I just want to encourage you to take a moment after this service is over to go to the back area that we call our Connection Center. In there we have a packet. We have a bag, actually, that's full of information and how you can take your next step to pray with one of our pastors and you, you solidify the fact that God loves you and he's given you a free gift of eternal life. For the rest of us, God, may we go now with the grace of God, our hearts filled with expectation. Lord, Holy Spirit, bring the word of God that's already in us to the surface that we might believe that we're going to receive it. In Jesus' name.